And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to a special summertime episode of the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Mike Vorkanoff, uh, here with a special guest today. You may know him as a co-host of the Point Forward podcast. Uh, you may know him as co-founder of the Beyond the Big Ten podcasts. Uh, you may know him from his time in the NBA or at Ohio State. Uh, I'm just going to call you Evan Turner. Just keep it real short. Two words. Uh, Evan, how are you doing? What's going on? Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Blessed to be here. How about yourself? You know, uh, summertime, just trying to get away a little bit. Hopefully this is some vacation listening for the listeners out there. Yeah, I'd be huge right now. Um, I can't wait to hit vacation myself. It vacation, it seems like every uh, summer I miss out on working out and getting my summer body. So I'm saving it for Labor Day, you know. I've never had a summer body, so uh, this is just like I'm, just, you know, every every year for me. Yeah, it's overrated for sure. Yeah, and now at the age I'm at, I'm washed. It's over for you. I'm, I'm never getting abs. Come on, let's get out of here. I, I can only get like a four pack. The bottom two is like where all the beer and, and burgers are. Four pack. I'll settle for a single. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, Evan, man, I want to have you on for a number of reasons. Um, <clears throat> look, it's, you know, mid, late August, but for some reason, like, there's always something going on, whether it's college sports, the NBA, it's always on fire for some reason. Someone's requesting a trade or whatever. And also, I want to talk to you about, you know, the Beyond the Big Ten podcast that you guys have going on. Um, this is year two coming up. And uh, so we'll get to all of that. But since college football season's coming up, uh, since college football realignment, for some reason, uh, continues to keep going. And now the Big Ten has added like 15 new schools since the last time I looked. Uh, I wanted to get into the Big Ten with you first. And you are the co-founder of the Beyond the Big Ten podcast, right? right. Can you give me a little background on that and just how this thing came together and just what it is? Uh, to be honest with you, um, it started when uh, a little bit after we did uh, the point board. And we started a production company called New Amendment. And uh, I always knew I kind of wanted to cook up and, um, you know, expand and give uh, give a voice to, you know, my my peers. And I think new media was really cracking up to be something that uh, allowed us to do so. So I basically tapped into my, my database. And a lot of guys that I played with in college, which were some pretty great players, um, I was fortunate enough to always have a pretty good relationship with them. So when it came up to this idea of, uh, you know, taking former great athletes, and uh, having them cover a podcast that, you know, is involved with their alma mater, I thought it'd be a win-win, especially something that would fit like uh, a regional niche. And uh, when the first group of people I hit up were my former Buckeye buddies. So Jared Selinger, Aaron Kraft, David Lighty, um, you know, Adam Jardy, he's a beat writer, um, you know, as well as, you know, Aaron Kraft, who's Ohio State legend, Jared Selinger, I'm all with, you know, David Lighty. From there, we were able to replicate the same formula amongst a lot of Big Ten schools. And um, we just finished off our first season uh, this past year where we had a lot of success. You know, we had five of uh, our 11 pods 
you know, consistently in the top 100. And uh, recently we just signed a, a deal with the Big Ten to be under the Big Ten uh, umbrella and continue to push, uh, you know, push our content forward. Starting in September, we'll be uh, following up with uh, Beyond the Big Ten football. So we have a lot of great, uh, great former names that you might know about. We have James White, you know, former Patriot, great in, uh, you know, Wisconsin Badger covering the Badger pod. We have guys like Jake Stallburner, Beer Posey covering, uh, you know, the Ohio State football and Shane Wing covering Indiana. So we'll have a lot of uh, cool guys and uh, blasts from the past, but they'll be, uh, you know, starting their media career and voicing you know, their opinions on the season. I think uh, something that the fans will really appreciate, especially in the regional markets. So that's how you know the difference between you and me is that you went to Ohio State, so you call it the Ohio State. I went to yeah, a different yeah. Big Ten school, so I, there's no chance I'm calling it the Ohio Where'd State. Where'd you go? I went to Rutgers, which wasn't even a Big Ten school yeah, at yeah. the time. It's not even a Big Ten school. <laughs> Bring back the old Big East. Give me the old Big East, please. Yeah, so what's so crazy is the old Big East, which I was a big fan of in college, has basically turned out to be what the Big Ten is, you know, with uh, multiple schools. But I think the talent and uh, the powerhouse all had it as uh, something that's worth documenting. And I think uh, in this day and age, a lot of, of fans not only want, you know, you know, experience to be a requisite, but now it's like a requirement. And I think that's where, you know, beyond the Big Ten, you know, fares the best in its uh, upcoming climate. And I think uh, with our team and, you know, with the new Big Ten deal and licenses and backing, I think we're just at the beginning where we can uh, make a splash and continue to make this a cultural thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing I want to know is, like, you played at Ohio State. So, like, it's been in the same conference the whole time, right? It's been in the yeah. Big Ten for, like, 300 years or whatever uh but there's a lot of schools and a lot of the players who are co-hosting podcasts for you on the big 10 uh podcast like they were when they were at their school it might not have been in the same conference does it matter to you does it matter to you guys like what the conferences are for your alma waters no i don't think so because uh when it comes down to it this is really geared towards the athlete and giving the athlete a voice so uh, a lot of times when you talk to some of these athletes they're like yo i just want to break into this and then try to figure out a way to you know, continue to keep up, uh, you know, the the reputation of my school and, you know, voice my love for it. So I think when you relate in that sense, and uh, I'm big on athletes, supporting athletes, it's easy to do. So like I just said, with Rutgers, we were able to have Austin Johnson, even Geo Baker covered a basketball pot, you know, and um, the football will be able to get, uh, you know, Dorian Miller, you know, Julian, you know, Pennis, uh, you know, Julian right on it. So we'll be able to get some of those guys going. But it matters nothing besides the content and being able to drive that that fan base and uh, all that traffic to us, uh, you know, really build something dope. And I'm sure you're already scouting UCLA guys, USC yeah. guys, Oregon yeah. guys, Washington guys. Yeah, we, we, we have a, I already have a couple of old things. And uh, yes, sir, it's where it's coming from. And so we have some commitments that's going to be pretty fun. So, you know, like I said, I played with Isaiah Thomas back in the day. Uh, <laughs> the UW, great. You know, I was able to play with Spencer Hawes. I'm going to have to beg, you know, the Peyton Pritchers of the world to try to do, you know, Oregon. I'm have to burn a face card to try to do, you know, Drew Otter and so on and so forth. But I think one thing that occurs is uh, the same way that this originated by using my uh, database and my, you know, connections, the same way that I think it's going to keep flourishing, you know, uh, word of mouth and, you know, continuing to, uh, you know, stand together and continue to try to push that athlete's voice. I think that's one big thing in in a narrative that we all been trying to do in the past few years. And uh, this is really going to catapult it. So, I mean, like, look, you have a podcast, you co-host one with Andre Iguodala, right? So like 
I feel like the NBA has more guys who have podcasts than any other pro sports league. Why is that? Why is why is this such like a natural medium to NBA players? Well, I think uh, for one, we have a lot of time on our hands. That's for sure. Okay, I think for two, it's a unique thing. We went from having you know barbershop conversation or text message conversation to being able to put all this on wax and then kind of get our voice out. I know uh, it might be fun, you know, to beat a puncher, but uh, it's never fun to get punched. So uh, I think we're kind of switching roles and being like, yo, this is what we don't like, this is what we like. And a lot of people, I think it's kind of free therapy and uh, really, you know, control your narrative. I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, we haven't been able to do, you know, pre-handedly. And uh, at this moment, the, the floodgates are open to do so. What's the therape- therapeutic nature of it? What's that for you? Sometimes to me, just getting on wax and kind of saying what what I want. You know what I mean? I mean, in the most respectful way in a sense. But you know how many times you listen all, you'll be listening to a sports center and even when I used to be in the locker room and hearing some type of narrative that was the furthest thing from the truth. And then when you sit there, you're like, ah, oh, that's kind of crazy. How did they get that completely wrong? But then you add up, it's like, all right, what, were, what was their background? Were they into basketball? Were they into soccer? And Red is due on the first. And they just said, you know what? <laughs> this is what I think. And 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 I think one thing that really dwelled from it was uh, my time in Philly. And uh, dealing with, you know, the Philadelphia media and everything was like, yo, one day I want to get back and kind of say my own opinion talk about my own narrative but also to you know humanize these athletes there's a lot of people sometimes that write so much and it's it means nothing to you know tear down an athlete or you know get something wrong there's no there's no penalty on writing one bad thing like i always say this bob knight says journalism is one step above prostitution so you know what i mean so i'm trying to get my little change oh <laughs> uh, listen man I, i'm gonna disagree with bob knight on that one uh, i also I think Bob Knight's gotten a lot wrong. I think that's one of them. Um, but like, you know, there's people who do this well. There's people who do this poorly for sure. But like in Philly, did you feel like you were not humanized? Or do you feel like you were not treated well? I think in, in Philly, and that has nothing to do with negative, but that's the prime example. You don't know how many times I would sit here and read an article and be like, yo, this is completely wrong. They're ruining people's reputation. They're destroying people's reputation. There's some idiot literally that 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 that's just making up whatever and i thought that was just one thing that uh that really drew me in a, to finding my voice because um when i sat back and didn't use it as much is when you know a picture is painted of me that wasn't true and i think uh as athletes as people that uh rely on their um rely on your know, reputation i think that's everything i i find it interesting because like now if you have a problem with something that was written that you thought is not true, right? You can go to Twitter. If you're in the NBA, you can go to Twitter. You can maybe have your own podcast. Like there's a lot of mediums yeah. to disagree with whatever is out there about you, right? If you choose to go that route. Yeah. What would you do early in your career when Twitter is not as big, when you didn't have as many outlets? Like obviously it seems like there's a lot of things that maybe angered you a little bit about the way you were covered. Like what would you do to try to correct the record or at least let your you know, unhappiness with the coverage get out. I mean, I think I would have did something along these lines. Uh, I think I would have kind of had my own pod. I think maybe I would have, you know, kind of addressed situations far more than hoping it just boiled over. You know, I just, 
to a certain extent, I always just assume things will work out the best if people would get it right. And it paid, and clearly in that personal situation, they, they, they really did. And, um, I think as an individual, I would, you know, for sure be able, you know, be more intentional with what I wanted to put out there and, you know, say no comment on most conversations and somewhat, you know, with certain individuals just turn down interviews because at the end of the day, when it's coming down to, uh, journalism, I'm not going to tell you what to write or anything, but you guys all have a journalistic integrity to uphold. And a lot of times it doesn't get upheld. And this is coming from somebody who's often been written on. And uh, when you come down to it, and the result of it, it's just a shot or a laugh or like, oh, okay. Or the audacity to make people think that you might, you will know more than what the player's talking about. And I don't know where that came from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The one of the things I've always, so I covered the Knicks for a number of years and now I cover the league. And the one of the things I always found interesting is I do understand when players or coaches say, okay, how are you writing about us? How are you criticizing us? If you don't have all the information available, right? I'm not in there in film room with you. I'm not in there uh, in team meetings with you. But then I also find it kind of hypocritical when they don't give up any information to help you understand the game more. How do you bridge that gap to help m- make sure that people more co- fairly covered, but you, you got it's got to be a give and take, right? Yeah, I feel it's got to be a give and take, but at the same time, while we're speaking on it, um, you got to take out the intangibles. Like, I mean, like the outliers. The season's so quick. As are like when it's coming down to information, you have to keep a lot of that information super tight because at the end of the day, you know, whatever is coming down to game plan or anything, that definitely affects something. But I think but I think there's just a fine line just taking what that what the what they do give you and writing that. That's it. Okay. Like you're asking me how to make like pepperoni pizza, I'm gonna tell you go get dough, tomato sauce, cheese, and pepperoni. That's it. Don't reinvent the wheel. And, and this is how pineapple pizza comes about and all that other bullshit. You understand what I'm saying? It's as simple as being like, when we talk about athletes being egotistical, humility, or whatever else, it's as simple as being like, yo, you know what? This is what the coach told me. I'm going to go back and write something pretty good based off what they told me. Not draw up and go dive deep into tweaks or into things that could be taken a hundred different ways on a sport or topic that you that most people don't know about that cover NBA because they, they, they only play it to a certain extent and then come out with a big article that touches millions of people. Does that sound right? Yeah. So, so like you were, I understand what you're saying. I, 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 I just want to make sure that sounds right because like literally all you have to do is listen to the coach and what they give you and just report it. Don't make up no other shit. Just report it. And then we go back to your editor. You tell me, yo, this is what he gave me. And this is what seems like the truth. And considering the fact I'd never hooped or played in the NBA and there's so much stuff I've never done, it might not make sense for me to come up and piece by piece an article. And that's not for you. That's just for anybody because you want to come to me and ask finance, would you? Even though I pay 1% in taxes, correct? And I, have I understand. NBA and I have all this other stuff. It's just it's just simple light. Only, only in the sports world do we not have to follow the rules. And then like, you get trumped by somebody that's never played the sport and telling you what it is, and then you have to deal with the outlash of what they think in regards to a sport you played your whole life. I don't understand how that recipe is okay, but good thing they're not giving jail time for it. You <laughs> 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 throw I'm coming from? I just want to mention. I understand. I, I understand what you're saying. You feel like 
you it should only be written about what's in front of you, right? Like what the coach is telling you, what the players are telling you, not. I mean, part of the job is to kind of write about what you see too, right? It's observational as much as it is reporting too. Yeah, but I think a lot of times, and I think, I think it's observational, but I think it's also rela- relatability. I think there's a lot of outliers that come in that you might be right about it. And there's stuff about you that I'll never comprehend or understand. And that's coming from not understanding your background. That's coming from not being, you know, what you're able to do, or even just talking about going to journalist school or whatever it is. So when it comes down to me putting that out, it's not okay if I miss a little bit or I miss a lot of it. Like it has to be accurate. I think that's what athletes and players would appreciate most because at the end of the day, we're oftentimes based on the accuracy of what we do. So when it's not replicated towards us, we sometimes grow, you know, ir- irritable. Oh, no, listen, I, I agree <laughs> with you. Like it, if, if you're writing something that's not accurate, that's a problem, right? Like that's yeah. the number one thing. You got to be right about the facts that are in the story. And it, like, do you feel like the way that you were covered affected you down the line in the NBA, affected where you went or affected you know, the contracts that you got later on down the line? Because you said the reputation matters so much in the league to players. Did you feel like that had an effect on the rest of your career? Yeah, I think as a teammate, probably, or like perception. You know what I mean? I think one thing that occurred sometimes, uh, when coaches would meet me, they would either say, oh, I didn't realize you were this good or Sometimes, like, oh, you're a great team leader. You're willing to do this and a third. Sometimes the reputation coming on you was up and down, much more than just me not feeling like dealing with a writer who already wrote some ignorance and genius writes some ignorance. And you know what I mean? I just went through just being like super, uh, you know, I just started taking um, media just like, with a grain of salt. And I think if you see once I was back to Philadelphia and just seeing how much I opened my personality and just being like, you know what, I'm going to use media. I want to use media and just try to find it. And this all affected, do you think this had an impact on you on why you wanted to get into podcasts and why you want to start your own media network about being able to come at it from your own perspective? Yeah, no, I, I most definitely think so. And I, I think, um, you know, when myself, uh, and Andre were able to really voice uh, our opinions on what we think and what we're, you know, and when an athlete thinks, and I think that's a real, uh, a real point of view and to give other, um, other athletes the opportunity to do so. So I think um, the athlete point and adding on more and more shows and, uh, you know, giving uh, more leeway to that conversation is going to be huge. And I think uh, definitely continue to affect the narrative of uh, how the athlete is viewed. So what have you enjoyed the most about podcasting so far and anything surprise you kind of just about this line of work uh i think one thing that i've enjoyed is just you know our guests who we interview i think uh when it comes down to uh folks and their successes it all starts with the same you know standpoint of uh you know realizing a goal realizing a, a journey kind of overcoming uh, the steeps and valleys and i think those stories are uh what's been most fun and been most inspiring, but I think also been most relatable because um, with uh, with Point Forward Pie, we're a basketball pie, but we like to consider ourselves something on a broader spectrum. So we don't only, you know, grab basketball players, but we'll grab Robert Smith, who's the owner of Vista, or we'll have Rick Rubin, who was a depth GM, you know, music genius, or we'll be able to have, uh, you know, Danielle Slayton, the owner of FC Bay. And you hear a lot of those stories and everything. And I think it really, you know, humanizes uh, not only athletes, athletes, but, uh, you know, great human beings, quote unquote. 
And I think that's what makes uh, the content even doper. So like, what's your perspective on what's going on in Philly with James Harden, right? Like as someone who's both been covered and now in the media, right? And I'm, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like you, you were in Philadelphia, right? You went through that whole cycle. You're seeing it go now with someone else. Like what's your perspective on what's going on in Philly with, with Harden and Maury and all that? Man, it's, Philly is all, I feel like it's not normal. Philly's not normal unless it's like a shit show out there, right? And that's just the truth. Like we literally are, you know, I'm like, what happened? I think there's a, I think there's a lot to be, you know, undis- a lot to be discovered in, in that, in that situation. Because there's a lot of he say she say. James isn't mad for no reason, and I think uh, what's going to be tough is uh, what is uh, done in the dark is going to come to light, and and somebody's, <laughs> I don't even know, somebody's going to have to, somebody's leaving. That's for sure. What do you think? I mean, listen, I don't remember the last time a player, any player, no matter how good they are, went out and called their general manager a liar publicly. Like I mean, those yeah. those are stark those are stark terms. Yeah, but you know how many times general manager lies? <laughs> I, I didn't say that the GM doesn't lie. No, I dig you, but like when we sit here, we use this situation like this is this is it's terrible, but like this is big time media or big time news, and it's like, bro, this isn't the first time a GM lied. GM we've been lied to numerous times. <laughs> so, like, when you sit there and you talk about it, it's just like I don't have any way to throw my weight around. Well, yeah. what's the bit? What's what's like the worst time you got lied to by a GM during your career? Nah, I can't. I can't. I can't tell. That one's bad. <laughs> You're doing the mental calculus right now. Yeah, I'm trying to do the mental calculus because at the same time, I don't want to shit on anybody because they got fans. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a dumbass game of basketball. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to. I mean, but, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything bad, but where, uh, you know, sometimes. Uh, I don't know. Let's just leave it at James. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's just leave it at James. I find it fascinating because, it, you know, usually when a player has asked out out of a trade, right, out of an organization in recent years, the public sentiment has mostly been moving towards the, the players now, right? Everyone kind of understands you should have the freedom of movement, right? You should have the opportunity to work where you want to work, right? Like that's it. Mean, everybody gets to do it. Yeah. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. But this one seems to be different. This one seems to be trickier. And I, I think like the public sentiment isn't going the way that it normally has in past years with James over Philadelphia for what re- for whatever reason. Yeah, I think uh like I said, man, sometimes it's about who who puts out the story first, right? At the end of the day. So I think what James was able to do in China, I guess, someone helped the spotlight and was able to point the finger, as opposed to him going up against some crazy narrative historically that as you can see the Sixers organization has had, you know? They you know, even with the, what's my man's name? With the fake burner account from back in the day. What was that, GM? Brian Colangelo, yeah. Yeah, Brian Colangelo. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, man, that's a, bro, that's, bro, that's crazy, bro. That's the burner account? The burner account, but just even with James. I mean, you compare it to the time when we went through a lockout in 2012 and, and somehow all the, all the fans were mad at the millionaires and the millionaires were the bad guys and the billionaires were the good guys. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. it's kind of, 
it's kind of crazy to see you fast forward over 10 years later and, and somewhat, you know, the, 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 the organization is kind of taking the responsibility for the fly. That's, that's very rare. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest changes in like in just sports in general over the last like decade or so yeah. is that whenever there was a labor problem or a labor stoppage, it, people just like kind of intuitively went on the side of the ownership, right? Of the league, of the billionaires, as you said, instead of the players who are the employees, right? That's what it is. And it's like, yeah. and, and it never made any sense to me, but it seems like that's kind of changing now. It's now more of a pro labor for the most part point of view, unless you're like, the diehard fan of that one team, and then you're just blinded by the laundry. Yeah, I feel like that's more so like Pittsburgh Steelers type shit. You know what I mean? Like, but people are legit are like, I don't care what it means, like Patriots type, diehard type situation. But I don't know. From, from a journalistic standpoint, how, how do you view it? You have history in this, and like, how crazy does it look? You know, the James Harden situation and Philadelphia and all that occurring just probably like a month and a half out from the season. I mean, I'm one, you, you're trying to get an understanding of what led to all this, right? Like, why did he opt in if he wanted to get out? What, why is he calling him a liar? Right. And then you put into context, like, look, Daryl Morey is known to be one of the harder GMs to deal with in the NBA. Like, that's not a secret. Uh, he's, he's hard to negotiate with. And then also James is now this is his third, um, third trade request in like 
three or four years, right? So it's that's why I'm saying this is like more complicated than like the Dame Willard situation, which just seems like Dame did as much as he could for Portland for as long as he could, and it just he reached the tipping point. It's like just you know, yeah. it's understandable why he wants to go somewhere. Yeah, and I think also too, you gotta you gotta take. If you want to do journalistic stuff and, and, you know, piece by piece stuff, this is where I'll make the air of doing, you know, <laughs> trying to be a journalist. But you got to look at their history as well. It's always been some type of weird turmoil in, in the camps of uh, Daryl Morey, you know, compared to like a Dane Lillard. Like some people are able to thrive in chaos mm-hmm. and we can overread this or, or whatnot. But, you know, a lot of times it's always some type of smoke being, you know, brought from that area. We just saw this with Daryl a few years ago during the whole Ben Simmons thing, for sure. During the whole Ben Simmons thing, to that, the Chinese situation, the situation in China. The, the tweet that caused it. The tweet China, that yeah. occurred, and then obviously, you know, the whole coming out of, you know, certain things in Houston. So, you know, clearly uh, people have different ways of doing business. And, uh, and uh, you know, the slap on the wrist doesn't really hurt as opposed to, you know, the knockout punch. And so I how- think... <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. So, like, you have a you, you and Andre. You, obviously, the point forward podcast yeah. talks about a number of things, but the beyond the Big Ten stuff is just college. Do you guys talk about college sports and college athletics in a different way than you do about the NBA? We're talking about the exact same way. I think one thing we discuss uh, college sports is uh, you don't really worry so much about the players, more so than how they get treated. And um, you know, we discuss. Uh, you know, them getting their, their equal, you know, pay, the rightful, you know, pay. And a lot of times we're trying to discuss what makes sense in that sense. You know, I remember Dre brought up something where it's like this history was, uh, you know, this, this country is built off, you know, uh, you know, free labor in that sense. When it's coming down to like college sports, you somewhat correlate it. And uh, I guess one thing that, you know, is occurring is the kids are able to get money from the NIL, but there's a lot more money to be made and to be split up from the NCAA tournaments and so on and so forth. I think that's one conversation we always harp on. And uh, clearly, besides that, we talk about uh, the journey, you know, the good and bad times of what we learned to come up uh, and get us to where we're at today in the NBA. Oh, yeah. I mean, the NIL thing is crazy because all that money is not coming from the schools still. There's still a lot of money coming into the schools. They're just giving players like a tiny, small piece of the pie. You want to know where it comes from? So the, the NIL board. So I was fortunate enough to help start the Oak Foundation here in uh, the Ohio State. So we're raising money and trying to find money. I'm donating six figures each year to make sure I'm paying, you know, help take care of our players, uh, uh, you know, stewards at the alma mater, you know, just trying to help pay it forward. But you no, know, once, th- once again, I'm glad we're able to help in that way. But there's a, there's a big piece of the pie that continue to be uh, chopped on and, you know, uh, rightfully so, it, it's, it's, it's a train that uh, that keeps going. So, you know, we have to keep that conversation alive as well. I mean, as, as someone who's an NIL booster, right, you said at, at Ohio State. The Ohio uh, State. Yes, at Ohio State. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as someone who's a, who's a donor, who's a booster there, right, do you still get people who think that the players should not be receiving NIL money, who think that this money should be going towards coaches, should be going towards buildings towards whatever i don't th- I, I haven't heard anything because you gotta think we're in big 10 country uh you know the buckeye nation is crazy so they they like cheering for their teams they like uh supporting their team and i think uh one thing that occurs is uh our coaches are pretty vocal about what it takes to try to you know make champions and contenders and i think one thing that's 
that has occurred with NIL is it's opened up a unique way of marketing and uh, opened up the flood panels for uh, local businesses and the players to, you know, start building connections and uh, building relationships and, you know, building their uh, network long before they, you know, ever touch NBA money, and, uh, that type of situation. So I think the innovation is everything. Would you have stayed in college longer if NIL was around with them? Absolutely. If I would have, if they would have found uh, my last year, I believe we could have won a championship. Jared Salinger was coming in. I just finished player of the year. Uh, if they would have found like eight or nine million dollars, I would have stayed. Now, I mean, it's funny. That's your they, number? That's your number. Eight. You, that's what you basically essentially your donor is trying to, you know, take care of the athlete, which is, you know, basically when I was 19, I felt like I was a pro. You have guys overseas that have been playing professional ball since they were 15. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm blessed and grateful for everything that the Ohio State was, uh, you know, provided for me and it allowed me to do. But, uh, you know, once again, as a businessman and getting older, you know, you would definitely have to take that into consideration. Stay one year, you know, build your legacy. I'm just happy that you have a number. You're like, $8 million is what you got to hit. And I stay there. $8 million. Exactly. That's what I want. $5 million, Goodbye, Columbus. Goodbye. Six million ill. How can I feed my family? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Spree's doing well, I think. He's still okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but like, <clears throat> how has it been trying to build like you've got now not just a podcast, right? You've got a podcasting business. Yeah. Like, how do you go about building that thing and making sure that you've got an entire infrastructure in place for this man it's it's the people to be honest with you the number one thing is the people i will say that uh i think uh you know the people uh we have a couple of great uh when i first started you know obviously you get this energy of like an athlete trying to start a business yeah okay you know do a test run and hit me and you know i i I got a lot of that so i remember making sure i was like i just got to make sure i have people that believe in the bigger picture I was fortunate enough to, you know, come across people like Kelsey Hawkins, uh, my, my buddy Amir, and, and, you know, uh, and a lot of other great, you know, staff members that were able to, you know, jump on. But we were able just to take it bit by bit and be like, hey, nobody knows we're coming. We're able to build it. But I'm going to tap into my my relationships and my resources. And this is one of the times where it was like being respectful and, you know, you know, being a decent dude paid off because when I reached out to people, luckily they responded back. They always had, you know, somewhat of a decent amount of respect or mutual respect for me to be able to, to trust and uh, believe and jump on this train and what we were going to build. And I think uh, that was the biggest thing and making sure we found the right type of people that trust enough to be patient and uh, to give their time. And uh, I thought that was the hardest part. And then from there, just following up and making sure uh you know, dealing with the right people that said that they were going to do what they wanted to do. You know, as as you very well may know, sometimes you might find the wrong producers or find the wrong graphic people or, you know, people that take advantage of a, a budget or take advantage of uh, who they know or what, you know, the consultation situation. And uh, that was really it. But we keep uh, climbing these mountains in order to uh, continue to learn and continue to uh, open more doors and start more careers of, former athletes and uh i think um in a short you know year or so we, we've seen a lot of uh benefits and rewards and we're going to keep doing so uh moving forward were you out there raising money for it were you out there trying to sell equity oh. and like was that was that oh, what you I, heard? I, so, so literally i was out there like on the show like getting my team on riverside writing down the 
you know, the running script of the show, meet it, you know what I mean? Leaving weddings and then going to go sit in the car and trying to produce from the car via Riverside. Going to tech events and going to go meet up with people and try to get mentors and try to go get investors. Doing pickup runs with tech investors. I hadn't hooped it forever. Oh. I'm hooping in Travis Scott ones just to try to make connections and shit. And it's like, so when you tell, was I hands on? I'm talking about every phone call, everything in that situation where I heard all the yeses and all the no's. And, uh, you know, a lot where, you know, where it made me, you know, kind of lick my wounds and come back and be like, yo, this is familiar territory where I started out with basketball. Being like, hey, when I told people I wanted to make it to the NBA or even be a division one talent, people laughed. And it was just like, all right, we can't talk about it. We got to put on our gloves and go to John board and, and get to work. So literally, I, I've been fortunate enough to be there from the start and uh, to continue to build my team as well. And, you know, get every bit of experience from, uh, you know, out of CEO perspective. And it's been fun and tough, but fun. No, I was going to say, like, you make it to the NBA, right? You had a long career, I think a 10-year career. Like, that's kind of a destination event professionally. And now that you have to almost restart from the beginning, I don't know, is that frustrating that you have to like build yourself back up and prove yourself up in another field now? Uh, I, I think it's super, I thought it's frustrating at first, but I think, uh, you know, just in the moral compass of life, like anything worth having is worth working for. And I think uh, there's a lot of people that want to do it, but, you know, I think this is what, you know, the calling card is, is uh, showing up each day and, uh, building and show how serious you are. I think one thing that occurred was even with potential investors was being like, have you done this before? How serious are you? Like, who else is invested? And like, I think they really appreciate it. You know, once we start going in and being like, yo, I put my own money behind this and my own belief behind this and showing what I was able to present. So I thought it was tough, but you know, in those, uh, those, those, those unsure moments is where, uh, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. My favorite quote is like seeing legends are born from, you know, vulnerable men. And, uh, you learn a lot about life from sports. And I, I just took a lot of stuff that I learned on the court and, you know, in the locker room and just put it towards here and just trying to grind it out. And I think one thing I've learned the most is, uh, it's not so much the physicality that you need, but the finesse. How, how many annoying tech dudes did you meet with that just wanted to play you and thought they actually had a chance to be you? Uh, it, to be honest with y'all, wouldn't even call them annoying, Brad, because those dudes are actually cool as hell. <laughs> yeah? Okay. All right. They're, they're cool as hell, and um, to be honest with you, once you get past like the little stuff of being like, yo, who is this, or how was this, or how was that, you realize there was a lot of relatability in these dudes in their own world. It's like, shoot, if they were 6'7", they'd probably be like LeBron, and they would tell you that, too. They're like, look, bro, I might not be the best basketball player, but what I do is LeBron. I'm LeBron in my era. And as an athlete that likes to talk trash and let his thing hang a little bit, I, I I rock with it. And um, I think when it comes down to that, it, it, it you you learn a lot and uh, to sit with people that are way smarter than you definitely helps as well. So I've been super appreciative of even just getting through these doors and even just letting people hear my spiel and uh, you know, give me feedback and being like, yo, we'll check in. And when I'm able to, you know, call back and you know do check ins or picking up and you know tracking our uh, progress. So how big do you want to take this thing aside from having to add like 10 new podcasts now for Big Ten expansion? No, I want this to be a whole, you know, media platform. So I want to take this from, you know, not just being, you know, 
in an audio, you know, visual version of it. I want to make sure that we're able to, you know, do live podcasts. We're able to hit the streets and, you know, touch our fans in a regional niche. I want to take it to the point where we're able to do merch, continue to, uh, you know, push out, uh, you know, continue to do stuff. We're able to, you know, push out media, um, push out, you know, writing, you know, have blogs and all those type of things. And almost to the point where we're able to stretch and start doing, uh, you know, little features on your school based on what the hosts want to do. I think one topic that occurred that uh, the fellows from the University of Minnesota wanted to do was uh, a big what if. And I'm sure you could probably do it records. Like, what if every top player from Minnesota actually went to the University of Minnesota and how that would look? Continue to give athletes a voice to tell their own, uh, you know, go deeper into their own experiences. And, you know, we went from, you know, just in 10 months to being, you know, recording from our living rooms and being able to get access now to where we'll be on the field and be in those media day press boxes and to be able to use our uh, network to be able to, to set up and get the inside scoop from former athletes or the current athletes and, you know, have some pretty high interviews. And I think that's where I'll go. I'll be the database to really, you know, hear the, hear the athlete's perspective first and, and get the real. Do you wish you could have done this while you were in the league? Yeah, I d- most definitely think so. I think it would have been, I, I wish I would have listened to more people and they're like, yo, you need to do a pod, you need to get people on a pod and continue to push the athlete's voice. But at the same time, it was way different. We were all, uh, that shut up and dribble just became blasphemous literally six years ago. You understand? Mm-hmm. I think we all kind of follow suit in that sense. But, um, you know, I think uh, one thing that occurs when you see guys like Derek Jeter, even if you see, you know, Channing uh, Fry or Richard Jefferson when they did the road trip and pod, I think when these people kick these type of doors down, it allows us to, you know, continue to walk behind and, uh, you know, you know, feed the people that are intrigued. Yeah, and I'm surprised now just how many people that are currently playing now have their own platforms, have their own podcasts while they're out there still, you know, playing games every other night. Yeah, no, it is pretty crazy. Uh, I think it's unique. I think Draymond does a great job at it. I think one thing that athletes kind of underestimate because uh, they're so weary of uh, how it's going to be perceived. I think the more you speak, the more you dive into it, the more, you know, part of culture and more natural it becomes. So, I just hope that guys continue to do so and keep focusing on it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious to see how this all goes in the next few years. As you said, there's new media growing, right? Old media, we're still here. We'll still around yeah. too. What do, you th- <laughs> what do you think about it? Because, I mean, Mike, you do, obviously, forgive me, you do a great job at what yeah. you do. And like, I, I mean, but you have integrity to your stuff. There's no reason why you want to keep elevating if you suck. Cold unquote. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Like, cool, if you suck, you want to be where you're at and keep getting better and better and better. So, like, a lot of times I would feel away when it's just like, hey, why would, why would he keep coming at us or acting like we're doing a terrible job or, like, need more or whatever? And, and how do you feel about the, the wave of the new media? I like it. I like it. I think it's great because the more places where I can hear, like, just talking about the NBA specifically, because where I'm coming yeah. it, right? Yeah. Just the more places that I can hear from NBA players about what they actually think. Because I understand why you guys are guarded with the media sometimes. I, I get it. Um, <clears throat> the better. I, I think, and it, like especially like take Draymond, for example. When he starts talking real basketball and starts talking about the X's and O's and explaining how defenses work or how whatever yeah. works, I love that stuff. Like, yeah. give me more of it. Helps me understand the game better, do my job better. And so I'm not going to sure. complain um, <clears throat> when there's people out there just like, 
doing great stuff, doing great work. My only real thing is like the comp the competitive side is he's like, damn, I wish he'd tell me that stuff too. You know, when you talk to players, like it's building a bridge, you know, like I yeah, you know, yeah, Nate yeah. Nate Jones on Twitter had a great thread the other day about the need for players to still talk to media even outside of you know, official team content and just tweets and Instagram and stuff. There's still a storytelling that's involved that's beneficial for both sides. And my concern is that that might get lost down the road as it does become easier to just replace talking to reporters with the team social media person, the team videographer, the NBA uh, yeah. content guy, or just whatever you want to tweet out there. I think there's still a, a good point to be had there and is beneficial for players to talk to media, get their story out through someone who is independent and yeah. sees you in a way you might not see yourself, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I dig it. No, that's absolutely true. I think one thing when we speak about you, it's not like the first five to get through the door are legit. Now they can give anybody a microphone and credentials. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so I get that. It comes down to, and it's like, yo, it's not on us. Like the same way we might be like, yo, keep this BS out the game. It's like, for journalists, it's like you, you guys might have to start doing gatekeeping, and not yeah. just this thing where uh, what was it the Kevin Durant interview where one told the other guys gonna knock him the fuck out, but like I don't know if I remember that. You remember during the finals they were arguing over trying to get the question? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> not along those lines, but when you start to break it down, it's like oh, you guys the same way you're saying like no, I wish Drake Mine would tell me this. It's like no, he has the space to do so, but I think sometimes with athletes, comfortability to do so. Even the time and do so isn't always there. Yeah, yeah no, I, I totally get what you're saying. And like yeah. to me, the concept of gatekeeping gets me uncomfortable sometimes, just because like I don't want to keep people out be if they're trying to do the job and they're trying to do it well and they're serious about it. But as you said, not everyone who's trying to get into a locker room that's trying to get into a, pro a press conference is doing it because they want to do the job well and be serious about it. And it's yeah. like it becomes yeah. a slippery slope. However. Yeah, but at the same time, you'll be shot. I think like we're all relatable individuals, and when you uh, when you keep a standard up, it's pretty easy. But the same way, if my teammate caught me BSing on sprints and being like, mm -hmm. "Come on, bro, we doing something bigger," shit, maybe you might be like, "Hey, bro, that bullshit you wrote last week was garbage, dog." Like, are you an idiot? Like, you know what I mean? Or like, the man is arguing. Listen, I covered the Knicks for a few years. It happened from time to time. <laughs> Words were said. Don't get me wrong. Oh wait. I forgot you're you're on the East Coast. I'm speaking with a Midwest mindset, so so the rules vary. Let's just <laughs> let's just say that everything I'm speaking of is uh is pretty calm and mild manner. Mid that Midwest nice. Yeah, that Midwest that's understatement too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, but it it is gonna be interesting to see where all this stuff is going and everyone keeps evolving. And the you know the other thing is like there's just people who keep doing their job and are great at it no matter what, right? Like it, it, you know, we have a ton of those people at the athletic who are just good and yeah. keep doing their job despite all this stuff anyway. No, that's real. Athletics definitely a class. Yeah. A classy site. So good for you, bro. <laughs> no, for real. It is. I'm going to, I'm going to put that out. We're going to see, I'm going to see if I can put that on a tag somewhere that we're a classy site. That's what I want. That's a good, that's a good tag. From Evan Turner. I'm like, who the <laughs> fuck is Evan Turner? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, listen, Evan Turner is the co-host. Uh, of the Point Forward podcast. You're the founder of the Beyond the Big Ten podcast series. You're on Twitter. What do you got, like, 500,000 followers more? Am I undercutting uh, you? I got, wait, you um, you overselling me. Let's just go with 500. You know, okay. I'm 40% of that. And if I was 40% from the three in the league, I'd still be in that mark. <laughs> <laughs> you're hitting 40% from three. You can play till you're 40. It's fine. Who are you? I was just talking to Dane. 
and we were talking and I was like, bro, like you do all this with the ball in your hands, pause, and people don't even realize how great of a shooter you are. Like imagine like Yeah. You could play to your forty because you won't miss a spot up. So imagine if you if you're just a third fiddle, you can look yeah. and not sweat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe if you had like kind of a versatile passing playmaking center around them and then maybe kind of a wing who can create for them and it was like a south florida location we could see that yeah we, we, maybe I, I think that might work out well uh you gotta you gotta you gotta talk to people i think it's more in just the uh, wishes i think it's the numbers yeah <laughs> that that's a topic for another uh podcast evan i appreciate you doing this man uh good luck with all the podcasting and the business endeavors we're obviously going to be listening, following you on Twitter, as I said. Um, everyone, thank you for listening to this episode of The Athletic NBA Show. Andrew Schleck, I didn't give you a shout out. Thank you for producing this thing. Uh, you do a great job. Everyone, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.